It's that time of year again. Time to go holiday shopping. Retailers prepare for this season all year long. The masses descend, looking for gifts and shelling out money to stores that are often a lot emptier the rest of the year. But more and more, people aren't actually going to stores to shop. Instead, they're buying online. It saves time, and you don't have to deal with the crowds. The shift shows how technology has transformed the retail industry. Twenty years ago, e-commerce was in its infancy. Amazon sold its first ever book in July of 1995. So, twenty years from now, as technology continues to evolve, the way we shop is probably going to look a lot different. The world's largest retailer, Walmart, is betting a big part of that future is a virtual and augmented reality. I'm Jenny Kaplan, and I'm Lindsay Rupp. Today on Material World, we're talking about just that: virtual reality, augmented reality, and retail. How the new tech fields are going to impact the way consumers make purchases. We're looking at this using Walmart as a case study. A couple of months ago, I went to an event in the Hollywood Hills in Los Angeles, where Walmart's tech incubator, called Store Number Eight, brought together a bunch of virtual reality startups and retail brands to show how the technological change could manifest. There were virtual stores, 3D images, gamified shopping experiences, and virtual camping and fishing sites. They want to be the force driving commerce forward, which、mm. is what Walmart said when they created this incubator called Store Number Eight. And of course, that means nothing, and it means everything at the same time. You know, it's just one of these vague technology industry mission statements. That's Matt Boyle. He covers Walmart for Bloomberg. But what's really interesting is that they do say that what they are doing is they're making big bets on where shopping is going, and that's something Walmart. It's clearly important to Walmart. They、yeah. need to know where shopping is going because for many years they've been where shopping has been. You know, they still have millions of shoppers who only pay in cash, and you know who insist on driving up to one of their four thousand seven hundred stores in their beat-up pickup and sitting in this cavernous parking lot.、Um, they need. They really need to go where shoppers are moving. And you might not think that Walmart would be at the cutting edge of this versus Amazon or eBay or someone. But you know you have to give them credit; they're getting their act together. They have some new stealth projects going on in L.A. and Dublin and Hoboken, so they clearly have a lot cooking, I would say. And at a time when there's not a lot of, you know, there's just a lot of doom and gloom in retail,、um, you know, you kind of have to at least point at Walmart and say, you know, the big granddaddy of of retail. Um, you know, at least is acting a little bit more like、uh, a youngster. You know, doing some exciting stuff at a time,、uh, you know, when there's just this sort of steady drumbeat of of bad news. I mean, we'll learn more after the holiday season wraps up, and we sort of see how the shakeout of winners and losers、uh, go. This is a sign that Walmart is. You know, getting more serious, and whether it's AI, AR, VR, I think it all comes down to what all these things do is 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 data. It's centered around data, 
And Walmart's CEO recently said to investors that he was asked to grade the company on their use of data. And you'd think, oh, Walmart's awesome with data. They've got all this data flowing in from all their shoppers. And, you know, um, and historically they've done so much with retail data and they know exactly how many cans of soup they're selling at any given moment. But the CEO of Walmart said, no, actually, we're not good at all with data. He gave the company a grade of two out of 10. Clearly showing that he's lighting a fire under somebody's, you know, butt by saying that, um, meaning, you know, we need to get better at how we use data. And a lot of these applications, you know, uh, AI and especially machine, you know, they're all based on the better data you have, the more you're able to um, do with it, the more you're able to take the shopper forward. Whether or not they're willing to go there yet is another question. How many out of every 10 people you know, how many are doing voice activated shopping right now? on their Alexa or their their Google Home device. You know, maybe one out of 10, or maybe they're just kicking around and we're here in New York in the center of, you know, everything. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's, again, just, it's, it's a sound bet by Walmart. They want to be seen as more cutting edge and they've got a little bit more leeway and a little bit more credibility since they bought Jet to do that. Shoppers may not be into this kind of stuff now, but store number eight's goal is to figure out what they'll be into in the future. To get a better sense of what they're doing and why, here's Katie Finnegan, principal of store number eight. There are quite a few technologies and, and some more on the near-term horizon and some on the longer-term horizon that we think you know have the potential to transform retail. Artificial intelligence, I think, is underlying probably anything and everything we're doing. And there's different ways to use it. I mean, it has a big play in virtual reality as well with voice and, and recommendations and things like that with the, in a hands-free world. Um, we, we're interested in robotics and what that can do for fulfillment and other, other pieces of the sort of non-customer-facing experience. And, and maybe, honestly, customer-facing as well. Autonomous vehicles and drones are also very interesting as what that can do to the supply chain. So, so really, the, the spectrum is pretty broad. I think for us, it's about coming up with our different strategies as to, okay, we all agree that these have the potential to truly transform the business and move the needle. But for us now, it's a conversation around prioritization as well as strategy, right? Some of these things, we might realize it's going to have a huge impact, but it might not make sense for us to build it. It might make sense for us to buy it, and it might make sense for us to partner. And so that build by partner decision is actually a key part of the strategy, along with actually setting up a company and an infrastructure to, to go after these technologies. You kind of have to do all of those decisions collectively before you, you, really, you really pull the trigger. The opportunity caused store number eight to start digging into VR and eventually led to the swanky party I attended. No one had been incentivizing the core talent to really think about what what we're calling v-commerce looks like and so the thought was let's do an open call and really just incentivize uh this this community to to all think about what their technology what their subject matter expertise what the assets they've created can do in the world of commerce and we got over 200 applications in and about 30 percent of them were international so we felt that we really were able to cast a pretty wide net in an effective way. And then the idea about the event was, you know, I think virtual reality is one of those technologies that it's pretty impossible to just explain verbally and you got to see it to really understand it and, and, and understand, I think, the impact it, it potentially could have. And so when we had effectively five winners plus the two we built 
seven very different but all unique experiences. We thought the best way to bring all the thought leaders in the space together was to host host um, you know a next generation event that that we called Innovate to get all the thought leaders there and excited about VR and have them actually try it in, in real time. At the event, I got to meet the people behind many of the winning exhibitions. One of those is Keith Martin. He's the vice principal of business development and marketing at a company called Fusion. They've developed the ability to use phones to take 3D images of different products. So we focus on smartphones, iOS and Android to be able to capture 3D content. So what that means is either you moving around the object or the object itself moving. And what we're doing is we're taking multiple angles as you move around something, as well as we're using all of the smart things that within modern phones, the accelerometer, the gyro, etc., in order to be able to get a, a, a geometric understanding of what you're capturing too. So because we capture in 3D, we're then able to do kind of the magic, um, the superpowers, as we call it, with those images. So, for example, with used car imaging, which is a focus for us as a business, we are able, you're able to walk around a car once and get a full 360 of the car. And because it's captured in 3D, we can then, for example, change the backgrounds to make it more alluring as a, as a, um, a, a product image. And from that, because it's captured in 3D, we can then do um, other things with it. So we can have that, cut that person out, segment them as a the technical term from the background and have them as an asset for VR or AR commerce. We can bring through data tagging of, say, the item from whatever database source the partner has. We can change the backgrounds of the capture, etc. We have, as part of our, we have a long-term goal as a business of visual understanding. And that's about you pointing your phone camera or whatever crazy glasses we'll have in a couple of years' time at an object. And we'll have a higher accuracy of understanding that object than a 2D image can allow you. So there are future-facing applications of this, of being able to buy or sell uh, an item within a few seconds just by the visual recognition of, of a camera. But because of uh, essentially the building up the data set for the 3D machine learning, we have a consumer app which allows people to, to capture content. And what we what we see through that is people coming to us as, as a business and asking if they can use this format uh, on, on basically from a commercial point of view. And from that, as a, from, a, from a business perspective, we are focused on essentially creating a specific product around retail e-commerce. So for car imaging, walking around a car as a 360, it's a funny kind of movement that you have as you walk around a car, just literally with your footsteps. And so we have a specific capture app for that, which is uses computer vision to essentially make it a super smooth, buttery smooth, as a very British way of looking at it, of, of moving around an object. The big question here is how the technology that was on exhibition at store number eight's event gets pushed forward. Where does it go from here? Walmart's Katie Finnegan predicts it will be readily available in the not so distant future. You know, I do think it's probably five years out from when you're going to have a headset in your home and do this at your own leisure. Most experiences, or at least high, um, high quality experiences, are wired in. And so there's a lot of wires and there's all these sensors that are around you that you have to set up. And it's clunky, right? It's not something that's, that's user-friendly for at-home use. 
I do think that that's changing. And, and that's where I think that that adoption at home will happen in five years. And But yes, it will take some time in the hardware development. Meanwhile, the technology can come in handy for an enhanced in-store experience. And it might not just be limited to virtual reality headsets and 3D photos. I think you definitely have an opportunity to have a setup in a store or some sort of controlled physical environment. This has a, a huge opportunity with what we're calling contextual shopping. So places where you actually will be better off experiencing that item in the context of the real world environment where you'll use the item. And so, you know, camping is, is, is the example, you know, I use because obviously we've spent some time thinking about that, where looking at a tent on a website is usually pretty engaging and immersive. There's videos and other footage like that. Having a tent in a store, potentially you might be able to see the tent set up, but there's probably only one or two of the best sellers set up, not the full, the full spectrum. Where you take that to the next level and what that step change looks like is, is actually being in Yosemite, where, which is where you're gonna go for your summer vacation, and actually seeing that exact tent on the campsite and being able to, in virtual reality, unzip it, get in the tent and lay down and look up and look left and right and say, you know, they say this is a two-person tent, but it seems too tight for me. And being able to swipe, and then all of a sudden you're magically in the context of a four-person tent, and you can experience that in, in sort of real time. And so it allows you to have that level of, of detail and insight with obviously not the complexity of, of the actual physical process to get there. The camping activation was one of two experiences developed by Walmart that were on display at the event. Once you put the headset on, you could cook recipes using cooking gear that's carried by Walmart, or sit in a tent and see a shadow puppet show. The other Walmart-designed experience was focused on fishing and allowed the user to test out different fishing poles to gauge what it felt like to cast and reel in virtual fish. There are so many applications for this, even at the event, there were those two outdoorsy experiences, several fashion-focused exhibitions, and a baby-proofing game. Part of the challenge for Walmart and other companies getting into this will be determining where this technology can be useful and where it can't. How do you start getting this to market and just start learning? And that's really the next phase for us because you know we can think all day long that this is the coolest way to buy a tent in the world, but until we actually start selling tents that way and customers validate that it's true, um, I think it's just a hypothesis and a thesis. And so our goal is to create an environment where we can start testing those and then figure out, you know, from a financial perspective, where we invest our time, energy, and money, and, and probably where we don't. And that's always going to be driven by, um, you know, true customer response and not sort of our, our, gut, our gut instinct or gut reaction. Walmart hasn't made its virtual reality experiments into consumer products yet, but it's in the works. Then the challenge will be getting consumers on board. It isn't going to be easy. Many of Walmart's shoppers aren't on the forefront of technology. They just want to go to Walmart the old-fashioned way and pick up a gallon of milk and pay for it in cash. But Walmart isn't just Walmart anymore. It's bought Jet, Bonobos, ModCloth, and other companies that cater to younger consumers, more likely to be into new ways of shopping. Here's Bloomberg's Matt Boyle again. There are 
retailers that will have these more virtual dressing rooms and seeing what the fashions might look like. Target and Ikea and others now can do the same thing for furniture, where you can actually see what the furniture or home decor would look like in your home. For some of us, that's like, oh my God, that's that's amazing. For others, you know, for the tech community, they'd be like, oh, finally, we're finally getting around to this simple application. So in terms of how soon we're going to see all of this, you know, who knows? But what is interesting is that a lot of these VR companies that Walmart was championing as part of this store number eight initiative, you notice a lot of them are in the apparel sector. And that's a category that Walmart has historically not done very well. And nobody associates Walmart with fashion. And several years ago, they, they you know made a big step backwards, but they said, forget about even trying to be fashion forward. They had tried and failed several times. They closed their office in New York and said, the hell with it. We're just going to sell socks and underwear because that's what people know us for. But now, you know, they built up a pretty big plus size business. And so they think that if any of these VR applications, not even hit it big, but just sort of make, you know, buying apparel at Walmart a little bit easier or a little bit cheaper or just a little bit more cooler, then that's a huge lift to a business that needs a lift um, right now because it's one of the businesses along with home decor that Walmart e-commerce is trying to build up. And you've seen it, of course, with Bonobos, the acquisition of Bonobos, ModCloth, and the recent partnership with Lord & Taylor, um, which you know struck a lot of people as surprising. You know, Why would these two companies uh, ever get together? Um, but this is all a part of Walmart's effort to be more relevant, to be where the shopper is going, to get deeper into categories, you know, beyond food, where they clearly are number one, but they need to have that same sort of expertise in other areas. Um, so, you know, we're not going to see it next year, but uh, you might start seeing it in selective stores. You know, Walmart, like everybody else, has concept stores or next generation stores where they can test out stuff. Um, and it may not look exactly like it looks today, of course, but that's all part of the sort of experimentation, you know, culture of uh, mm-hmm. of tech. It's not just virtual reality. Walmart's store number eight's working on other kinds of tech that the group says could also change the game. There are quite a few technologies, and some more on the near-term horizon and some on the longer-term horizon, that we think you know, have the potential to transform retail. Um, artificial intelligence, I think, is underlying probably anything and everything we're doing, and there's different ways to use it. I mean, it has a big play in virtual reality as well with voice and, and recommendations and things like that with the, in a hands-free world. We, we're interested in robotics and what that can do for fulfillment and other, other pieces of the sort of non-customer-facing experience. And, and maybe, honestly, customer-facing as well. Um, autonomous vehicles and drones are also very interesting as what that can do to the supply chain. Um, so so really, the, the spectrum is pretty broad. I think for us, it's about coming up with our different strategies as to, okay, we all agree that these have the potential to truly transform the business and move the needle. But for us now, it's a conversation around prioritization as well as strategy, right? Some of these things we might realize it's going to have a huge impact, but it might not make sense for us to build it. It might make sense for us to buy it and it might make sense for us to partner. And so that build by partner decision is actually a key part of the strategy along with actually setting up a company and an infrastructure to um, to go after these technologies. You kind of have to do all of those decisions collectively um, before you, you, really, you really pull the trigger. 
I think it's an interesting time to cover this space because, you know, you don't just have these dinosaurs all dying off. You at least have one dinosaur who's saying, you know, I'm going to try to reinvent myself here. And if I have to throw a swanky party in the Hollywood Hills, you know, um, uh, to do that, then so be it. That's it for this episode of Material World. Thanks for listening. For more episodes, find us on Apple Podcasts, the Bloomberg Terminal, or wherever you listen to shows like this. For more of our regular coverage, I'm on Twitter at LC Rupp and Jenny's at Jenny M. Kaplan. Matt Boyle is at Biz Boyle. Material World is produced by Magnus Henriksen and Liz Smith. Francesca Levy is the head of Bloomberg Podcasts. We'll be back in two weeks. Let's hear it for virtual reality.